I've got good news. We are seeing signs. We are seeing signals that COVID-19 is coming to an end. Toilet paper is back in stock. The prices of beef are coming down. Gas prices are rising. There's traffic. (laughs) I never thought I'd be happy. Never thought I'd see the day where I would be happy to see traffic out there. And then also the COVID-19 relationships are ending. Yes, all of the single people who thought that the coronavirus was the end of the world and went out and found a boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, those relationships are coming to an end. So there's other signs and signals, but I take these signs and signals that COVID-19, it's coming to an end slowly but surely, and we're getting back to a thriving society. And so we thank God for that. Remember what I said to you a few weeks ago from Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places, and all these things are the beginning of sorrows. And people have been people have been critical about this prophecy, saying. Well, my goodness, all of these things have been happening, you know, and God still hasn't come back. How is this prophecy even real? Well, think about this. What Jesus is saying is, yes, these these things were happening even before Jesus uh, came to this world and taught us and preached to us. What he's saying here is when all of these things start happening at the same time, all of these things, the list of these things, all of these signs start happening at once in the same season. That's when you know that the end is coming. And he reiterates there that the end is not now, but it is near. It is always near. And you look at this. We have had pestilence, just like Jesus said, COVID-19. That's a form of pestilence. And what do we have now that began last week? Nation rising against nation. Or ethnicity against ethnicity, as some say. That's going on right now, all in the same place. There was a big earthquake in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, I'm hearing about famines in Africa. All of these things are all happening at the same time. What could be next for America? Could it be a famine? Goodness, I hope not. As strong and as powerful as America is, as we are a blessed people, America is not ready for a famine. So we got to pray. We got to pray. And we got to plan. And we got to be vigilant. And we have to watch, but never forget what Jesus said, that when you see all of these things, don't worry, don't fret, don't have anxiety. Lift up your heads, because these are signs that your redemption is drawing nigh. Praise the Lord. The whole country is in a major uproar regarding George Floyd, a citizen of the United States of America, being murdered by a United States police officer, Kevin Chauvin. Did Officer Chauvin intend to murder Mr. Floyd? Some say no, because if he did, he would have drawn his gun and shot him. And I kind of agree with that. What I think happened here is Officer Chauvin was extremely angry and absolutely insane. He had completely snapped. You can just see it in his eyes. I watched the video, as I'm sure you did too. You could just see the insanity, the hatred, the murder that filled his heart. 
And although he did not draw his gun or an actual weapon, he instead used his knee to apply pressure, extreme pressure, on the neck of Mr. George Floyd. Mr. Floyd died a slow, horrible death of asphyxiation by a knee to the neck. I studied Kempo Karate several years ago, and my instructor taught me that an attack to the neck, an attack to the neck is usually fatal. It doesn't matter how strong or big you are, your neck, your throat is an extremely vulnerable point to the human body. This was murder. This was murder. It was murder. And I've been clinging to the Bible verse that says, Be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. Anger is a God-given emotion. But if it is not properly spiritually managed, sin can come from your anger. I watched... I watched as that officer brutally put his knee upon that man's neck. Mr. Floyd cried out, I don't know, it seemed like 10 to 15 times, I can't breathe, begging for his life, begging the officers to have mercy. I watched him beg him. And the part that broke my heart the most was when Mr. Floyd began to cry out for his mother. He cried out for his mom. And I saw then and there a reminder to us all, the way of all flesh, that life is temporal. Life is temporal. The Bible says that life is like a blade of grass. It comes and it goes. It's like a vapor. It's there and quickly gone. Many of us are very unhappy very unhappy with this injustice. Protests are happening. Riots are happening. I want to say to you, if you are unhappy with the injustice, it's time maybe we wake up and realize that perhaps in this country we are protecting our criminals. That maybe the punishment for murder is not as severe as it should be. And maybe we should look at the philosophy of the left and change our thinking about that and get back to proper justice. Recently, a great evangelist, a prophetic evangelist, Brother Eli Hernandez, passed from this life. He caught COVID-19. Horrible. Many of us prayed and fasted for him. You know what he said? I watched, I've watched a lot of his preaching recently. He was preaching and he said that at one point in his life, a man embezzled $30,000 from his family. $30,000. He embezzled it from his parents. Brother Hernandez was helping his parents to build a new house. And this man who was helping them build their house, contractor, whoever, embezzled $30,000. Brother Hernandez and that family could have filed a lawsuit against this corrupt thief. Brother Hernandez said that he went and prayed for two hours. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Would you rather have the courts of men, or the courts of the Lord. Mm. Brother Hernandez was seeking an answer from God about filing a lawsuit, and that is how God answered him. Would you rather have the courts of men 
or the courts of the Lord? And Brother Hernandez said, well, I'd rather have the courts of the Lord. So Brother Hernandez and that family forgave that man who embezzled their money. They forgave it, and they moved on. You know what happened there? The Lord gave the Hernandez family savings and, a, and great price reductions on that house, far exceeding $30,000. God took care of it. God gave them the justice that they wanted. And their family, the house, their money, their accounts, all of that were better for it. Which is why the psalmist wrote in the scripture, Better is one day in the courts of the Lord than thousands of days elsewhere. You want justice for Mr. Floyd? You want justice for your people? You want justice for your family? Pray and seek the Lord. Get into his courts. Ask God to be your judge. Ask God to give you your peace, and he'll listen to you. Also, the power of outcry. You know, outcry is something that we don't really hear a lot of preaching and teaching about, but I'm going to explain it to you this morning. Outcry is not prayer. Outcry is not supplication. Outcry is not intercession. But really, it is the protest for injustice in the ears of God. And it's biblical. The people in the time of Abraham cried out. Their outcry, the Bible says, came up to the Lord regarding Sodom because of the perversion of Sodom, because of the corruption of Sodom, because of the injustice of Sodom, the wickedness of that city done to surrounding cities and other nations. The outcry came up to God and he destroyed that city. You take a look at Egypt, a nation that oppressed people, its own, and also the Hebrew people oppressed them. And what did they do? Outcry. And the outcry of the people came up to God and he heard their outcry and he delivered his people out of Egyptian oppression, Egyptian bondage, Egyptian slavery, and he brought Israel out. Outcry to God. Call out to God. You need to read also 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in regarding to judgment. The whole passage really is about uh, people in the Corinthian church who were filing lawsuits against each other. And the Apostle Paul, to bring love, to bring peace, to bring forgiveness, to bring healing to the people, he taught them and reminded them that, hey, why are you bringing your cases, your lawsuits, before wicked men? Why not solve them and judge them amongst yourselves? and do what is right, administer justice, and bring peace and healing. He said that, and that certainly applies to the church today. But he also says something very, very profound there, and he says, don't you know that in the age to come that we will judge men, and we will also judge angels? He's talking about what's going to happen at the great white throne judgment when people are finally pulled out of hell, all of the dead who did not make it, at the catching away of the church and did not survive uh, with, the, with the tribulation saints and during all of that, all of the dead who were in hell, all of the dead, they're going to be brought before the Lord and they're going to be judged and thrown into the lake of fire. But God's going to give them an opportunity to speak and he will call witnesses 
because God administers justice righteously. And he's going to give people the opportunity to judge in those situations, not only people, but wicked angels, evil spirits. Anybody who had ever sinned against another person, let's say they committed murder, and they stand before God. They were a murderer. They never repented. They never obeyed the gospel. God is going to bring up their murder. And then he's going to bring out witnesses who saw the murder and maybe even the soul of the person that was murdered. And they will testify truthfully against that man. That is the judgment. Any devil that tormented the mind of somebody, that devil will be brought before God. And the Lord will say, devil, you have accusers. We have witnesses of your evils. And he will bring out those witnesses that, yes, they were there present when that devil oppressed. They were there when that devil attacked. They were there when that devil did wickedness to individuals and families. That is the judgment that is going on here. Oh, yeah. That's going to happen. Every person that has ever sinned against you is going to have to give an account to God. And likewise, every person you have sinned against, you're going to have to give an account to God. This will be the day of judgment and witnesses. There's going to be no corruption in the court of the Lord on that day. Nobody's going to be paid off in that day. No jury is going to be bought, but the truth will be revealed in the presence of God. That's why God spoke to Brother Hernandez and said, would you rather have my court or the courts of men? And God is up there on that throne, enthroned in mercy, making judgments for this life, but mostly for the age to come. That's why we've got to remember that. Be careful how you judge, for one day great judgment will come. Remember that you will stand with God to judge all those who offended you, judged all those who sinned against you. And maybe, who knows, if you seek the judgments, the courts of men, and that's what you put your count, what your confidence and your faith in, maybe the Lord will say, fine, I won't violate your will. You do that. I'll let you have that. But you're not getting nothing from me because you didn't seek me. We need to seek the Lord. We need to seek special counsel and wisdom from our pastors in these types of matters. Also, outcry unto God. Do it as much as you can. If you want to go down and protest peacefully, do it. Stay on the sidewalk. Stay in the grass. Don't block traffic. Don't make a, a big scene. Let your voice be heard. Do it with love. Do it with respect. Amen. But most of all, seek the courts of the Lord. And let God give you peace. Let God give you justice. Hi, I am Justin Gleason, the host of the Spirit Signal podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us today. I'm glad you have come here to hear because I am here to talk. Please consider subscribing, also giving us a great review and rating, and telling your friends, telling your friends about this podcast. Follow me on Facebook pages, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason, also hashtag SSWJG. You can also contact me at spiritsignaljg at gmail.com. This generation wants good reception to the voice of God, and SSWJG is the network to join. I want to read from, from the book of, of Luke, 
chapter number 13. I believe that the, the Bible has the answers that we are looking for. It may be not be the answer that we anticipated. It may not say what we want to hear. But understand this, that aligning your life and getting in agreement with the teachings of the Bible is really what will give you peace in this life. The Bible says in Luke 13, verses 1 through 3, There were present at that season some who told him, this is Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You will all likewise perish. You know, we have to um, study deeper into the text. If you really... It's something that I, I, I really teach and preach. People who ask me how to study the Bible, how to preach and teach the Bible. You can't forget about the space between the letters, meaning the deeper message, the deeper interpretation of the Bible. It's not just what you read. It's the message between the letters. It's the white spaces. It's what's behind it, the deeper meaning uh, of, the, of the text. It's like Jesus spoke in parables, and he did that so only the wise and prudent would understand what he was saying. This is why the prophets wrote in dark sayings, dark sayings, secret things that required an interpretation. I believe the whole Bible is like that. The, the, the systematic approach to the Bible will only get you so far. You have to have spiritual interpretation and revelation to the Bible and also understanding a little bit of the culture and a little bit of the season like it says there in verse number one. What I think happened here is Pontius Pilate, who some teach and preach he was a merciful man, a loving man who cared for Jesus. And we'll get maybe to the trial of Jesus here later on, but let me tell you something about Pontius Pilate. He was not a kind man. He was not a man of the people. Oh, no. And you can read this. It's, it's also in, in external sources of history outside of the Bible. He took Galilean men, executed them, probably by the sword, drained their body of its blood, and mixed that blood probably with the blood of pigs, and offered that blood, that mixture of blood between the human Galilean blood and the blood of an unclean animal, pigs, mixed that blood, and offered it probably on the altar of Zeus, or perhaps Jupiter, or Mars, the god of war. I don't know. This was a common practice of the Greco-Roman leaders. When they would invade a city, take over, take control of their money, take control of their commerce, and set up magistrates among themselves to create order and a certain level of peace, their, the world's peace. The Greco-Roman magistrates had extremely strict laws about violating their forms of pagan worship. And probably what happened here is there were some Galilean zealots who had possibly created an uproar at a time when the Romans were sacrificing to their gods. Perhaps some of these Galilean zealots smashed some of Pilate's idols. 
Maybe they disrupted one of their Roman pagan rituals. Or maybe they refused at one moment to honor Caesar as God. If somebody did not do that, violated the Roman form of worship, they were killed. They were killed. And oftentimes, believing that human blood would please the gods, they would take the blood of the person that violated that god and take that blood and offer it to that god. So let's say Mars, the Roman god of war. The Galilean zealots mocked Mars, maybe took the idol and smashed it, or uh, maybe uh, vandalized a temple to Mars. If they caught those Galilean zealots, they would cut their throats, pour out their blood upon the altar to Mars, and take the blood of pigs and also pour it upon that altar. Horrible. I mean, gruesome. Grotesque. These zealots were a very interesting type of people. They emerged during the intertestamental period of your Bible between Malachi and Matthew. They were of the unified group called the Hasidim, which in Hebrew it means the pious ones, and there are remnants of that group that still exist amongst the Jewish community today. They were a great resistance against the Roman, Greco, pagan lifestyle. Yet the Pharisees that despised the Greco-Roman lifestyle, the Greco-Roman form of worship and culture. But they didn't fight them. They believed God would fight the battle for them. God would fight the battle for the Jewish communities. But then you had the zealots, who were a very aggressive form of Pharisee, very aggressive. They believed that they had to, they had to win themselves. They had to fight their enemies themselves. They loved the uh, biblical examples in the Old Testament men and women who had gone before them, such as King David, uh, the prophet Samuel, the prophet Elijah, who, who used the sword against their enemies, and they believed that violence was uh, authorized by God. They would use violence to drive out the, the, the Greeks and the Romans out of the land of Israel. The zealots uh, believed that anyone who paid taxes to Caesar or anybody who did business with the pagans or sold Jewish land or attended their theaters or went to their gymnasiums, that they deserved to die. Any Jew that would uh, take any part with the Gentile world, they believed that they should die. Uh, the zealots were assassins. They carried daggers uh, hidden, concealed under their clothing to defend themselves and to kill, to murder their enemies. They were also known for uh, stealing uh, from the Romans and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Their uh, headquarters was most likely in the city called Gamla. Gamla, there in the upper regions of Galilee. This was the headquarters for the zealots. Uh, they had a synagogue uh, that they would gather to and worship and to read and hear the word of God uh, taught there. Jesus, uh, no doubt, came to Gamla and taught in that synagogue. It says in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus went all throughout Galilee uh, teaching in their synagogues. Like all Jewish religious groups during the time of Christ, the zealots, they were anticipating the arrival of Messiah. And Jesus, a man of Galilee, growing up in this culture, knowing the zealots, and they probably knew him. Jesus taught against sin. Oh, the zealots would have loved that. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy our law, but I came to fulfill it. Oh, they would have loved that. Jesus healed the sick. Oh, they thought that was amazing. The zealots loved healing. They loved the miraculous. They believed in the power of God. Jesus did miracles. He performed signs. He performed uh, wonders. 
the zealots found so much value in these things. But you think about this, these zealots, these violent zealots who believe in killing their enemies. They would hide behind rocks, and uh, as the Roman uh, garrisons would come by, they would ambush them, attack them, kill them, and steal all their belongings. And they did all of that in the name of God as a freedom fighter for Israel. Jesus did powerful, miraculous things. They probably thought he was Messiah until he taught something different than what they believed. Jesus said that the way to the kingdom of God was love. The way to the kingdom of God was forgiveness. The way to the kingdom of God was to go the extra mile, to turn the other cheek, and to be a peacemaker. All of these things were blessings in how you entered the kingdom of God. (laughs) You think the zealots received that message? Absolutely not. Hearing Jesus say, You need to render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. You need to love your enemies. You need to turn the other cheek. You know what the Romans were notorious for? As a way to um, provoke a Jew, they would just slap him on the face, just in the market, walk up to him and slap him on the face. Very disrespectful. Very, very unnecessary. Very mean and intimidating. A zealot would reach down under his garment, pull out that knife, and kill that Roman. But Jesus says if they do that, just let them smite the other cheek. That's actually taken from the book of Lamentations, when the prophet said, give your cheek to the one who smites you, because there is blessings in reproach. That's what Jesus taught. He came to fulfill the law. You think about this, giving your cloak up when a Roman wanted it, If the Roman made you carry his belongings for one mile, Jesus said, offer him an extra mile. Jesus had wisdom, and he knew that if he could teach his followers, don't fight back the Romans, but serve them, love them, dwell peaceably with them, a lot of the oppression would stop. (laughs) It's like he's saying, you zealots, is your way working? Is the, your assassin's knife working? Is your uh, refusal to pay taxes working? Is your violence and theft really your riots working? No, they weren't. Because that is not the way of righteousness. But instead, look at what the psalmist said. Look at what the prophet said concerning your enemies. Listen to what Jesus says, that if you will love them and you would respect them, and do everything you can to dwell peaceably with them and honor them. They will respect you. Mm. The zealots were blind, and they were the blind leading the blind. They disagreed so much with this that they even tried to kill Jesus himself by throwing him over a cliff. Reference Luke chapter 4, verse 29. Mm. But there were people that heard his message, and said, you know what, this Jesus of Nazareth, this Galilean, this man among us, who's obviously got the power of God with him, if he can raise the dead, cleanse the the lepers, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, his words are probably truth. And they followed him, and they obeyed him. You know, there was even times that they wanted to make Jesus king before his time. They wanted it to become uh, political. They wanted his, his kingdom to become political of this earth. John chapter 6, verse 15, 
When Jesus perceived that they wanted to make him king, he disappeared. He reminded his followers in John 18, my kingdom is not of this world. And even in the book of Acts, on the day of ascension, the disciples asked him, will you again restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? I, I can just imagine Jesus shaking his head and saying, guys, come on, have I been with you for three and a half years teaching and preaching and showing you things that you still don't understand? It's not for you to know the time of the earthly kingdom of Israel, but rather be focused on the kingdom of heaven, which is spiritual. (laughs) Even on several occasions, he urged those who experienced his power to not even report the miracles, possibly to prevent misinterpretation. You know Barabbas? Barabbas. Some of us think that, oh, he was a, a wicked serial killer and a thief and Just a man who raised mayhem in the community, a a, a complete maniac. Actually, he wasn't. You know what he was? He was probably a zealot. He was probably a zealot. He probably saw a Sadducee coming out of a Roman bathhouse. And he said, that man cannot be a spiritual leader among our people. And he probably killed him. That's what history says. Barabbas killed a Sadducee who was coming out of a bathhouse. And Jesus died in place of that man. That's the mercies of the Lord. That's the message of Calvary. The guilty go free. Barabbas should have been on that cross. Really, all of us should have been on that cross. But Jesus got on that cross for us. Praise God. Jesus was crucified with two thieves, malefactors, who were probably zealots, probably stole from the Sadducees who did business with the Romans. That is who he was crucified with. Mm. You read the list of Jesus' disciples, book of Luke chapter 6. You read about Peter, James, John, all of the great disciples. You know who else is in there? Simon, who was a zealot. Simon, a zealot. A zealot hated paying taxes to the Romans. Hated anybody who would do any business or have any dealings with Romans. He wanted to start a war with the Romans. Yet Jesus said to him, follow me, Simon, you zealot. Because the same zeal and passion you have, I'm going to change it and let that burn for the kingdom of God. To fight for the kingdom of God. And Simon changed. Oh, he changed. In that same list of disciples, you know who else is in there? A man called Matthew, who was a tax collector. He took lots of money, lots and lots of money for the Jews to fund the Roman government. (laughs) And Jesus' teachings of peace and love, harmony and unity touched Simon the Zealot's heart, Matthew to the tax collector's heart. And they were both unified for love for Jesus and love for each other. You think about this in this passage. They bring up to Jesus that Pilate killed Galileans and he did horrible, despicable things, violating our religion, violating our way of life, giving them a gruesome death and pouring out their blood on his idols. Hmm. Did Jesus join the chant for freedom? Did he join the chant for injustice? Did he say, you know what, you're right. We need to go kill Pilate 
destroy his temple, take control. He didn't. Matter of fact, some would say that Jesus was unsympathetic towards these people. You know what he said? He asked him a question. Do you think these Galileans that suffered these things were evil and sinful people? He said no. It wasn't that they were killed because they were drug addicts, alcoholics, murderers, thieves, whatever. Jesus doesn't bring up any of that stuff. He doesn't say they died for their sins. Oh, no. He says to them, repent or you will all perish. Jesus is reminding his people of the condition of humanity. It's just the way the world is ever since the fall of mankind that there are people, good, bad, sinful, whatever, that die by the hands of cruel men. Not as the judgment of God, but because of evil men. Did these Galileans get murdered by Pilate because they were evil? No. Were they murdered because it was the judgment of God coming upon them? No. It was simply the works of evil men. This is the human condition. This is the way of life, and Jesus is teaching that it can happen to anybody at any moment and any time. And he says something profound. He says, repent, for you will all perish. <laughs> this is why he taught us to love righteousness, to not cause offense, but to pay taxes, to do good and not destroy. Because in doing these things, you are more than likely to prevent an evil man killing you. Yeah. In the past, the school shootings, home invasions, terrorist attacks. Did all these fall upon America, our society, because we were sinful? The judgments of God? I don't think so. Now, I think these things happen, and Jesus said these are wake-up calls for the signs of the end of time. But ultimately, Jesus' is teaching in regards to these situations is, hey, if it can happen to them, it's going to happen to you, and nothing's going to change that. That is the way this world is. You think things are going to get better? No, they're not. Evil is still in the earth. Evil is still here present. And unless you repent, you will perish. You will perish, and you will perish and not go to the good place. For if you do not repent, which means turn from your sins and obey the full gospel of Jesus Christ, if you don't do that, when you die at the hands of cruel men, you go to hell. And ultimately, your final destination being in the lake of fire. And that message is still alive to this day. If you come to the Lord wanting to bring up the injustice murders of Mr. Floyd and others, Jesus is probably going to say the same thing to you. And Mr. Floyd, some of the others that have died, he's going to not really bring up racism. He's not going to bring up injustice. He's probably not going to bring up police brutality. You know what Jesus is going to say to you? You need to repent. Or unless you will all perish. 
It's like he's saying, remember that death can happen at any time, at any moment. Meaning, never be at ease. Sure, protest. That's not sinful. Be peaceful about it. Speak out. Use your American right, and we need that. Have conversations about it. But what Jesus is saying is you really, really want to be happy? You really want to have peace? You have got to be saved. That's what the Lord's message is for instances like this, the Galileans dying by the hands of Pilate. Any instance of murder, any instance of injustice, the Lord points his finger to humanity and says, you're all one day going to die, and you might as well die saved. Jesus taught us with the parable of the rich man. When the rich man said, oh, I've got all these barns, I'm going to build greater, my life is perfect. Then all of a sudden God says, bam, your end is now. All of these things that have happened in the year 2020, COVID-19, all of the riots now, all of the outcry for injustice, it is a reminder to us, be careful when you feel at ease. I could sense it around Christmas time and New Year's. While I was enjoying my holiday, God was saying, don't get too comfortable. Don't be at ease. Something will happen. And that's really the way the earth has been. You know, we knocked out ISIS. There's been a lot of law and order restored to the land. The economy was soaring. People were believing in Trump's economy. America was doing very, very well. And a lot of us with prophetic insight were thinking and talk, talking amongst ourselves, something has got to go wrong. There is no way everything can be this perfect. And that's how it is. What did Paul say? When they shall speak of peace and safety, then the destruction will come. All of these things are a reminder that there is no hope at all in this world. But it's the fate of everybody. All have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Now, Jesus hasn't destroyed death. That day will come. He's going to put an end to dying. He's going to put an end to it where we will all live forever with him. There will never be another funeral ever again. But in this age right now, men and women do die. They die of natural causes. They die of old age. They die of cancer. They die of kidney failure. They die of all kinds of diseases. And yes, they die by the hands of wicked men. And it can happen to any of us, including Jesus himself. Who does Jesus die by? <laughs> Pilate. The very same Pilate that mingled the blood of Galileans. It was Pilate who authorized the death of Jesus, the Son of God. You know, Pilate actually respected Jesus. He offered him asylum. He offered him political protection. It says in the Arco volume that Pilate really even actually was trying to offer him a political position in place of the Pharisees and Sadducees but because he, he could see the leadership of Jesus. Thousands were following him. The Pharisees and Sadducees couldn't get the thousands. 
They believed in Jesus. And Jesus responded, recorded in the Arco volume, that he said to Pilate, There is no asylum for the Son of Man here in this world, but only in heaven alone. Hmm. Pilate's wife, very sensitive to the spirit world, had dreams about Jesus. That was a big signal to Pilate that there's something special about this man. Pilate knew the Pharisees and the Sadducees had envy over Jesus. He knew that they knew that he was a threat to their power. He wanted Jesus alive. He did. He even tried to wash his hands of the blood of that just man. He also liked his teachings. Jesus was against defacing property. Jesus was against uh, uh, destroying other people's properties. He was against uh, hating your enemies. He taught things like pay taxes to Caesar. Pilate liked this Jesus. But to appease the rioters and to appease the crowd, he gave permission for his death. Mm. And it's a message from the Lord. It's a message from what he said. And it's a message by his actions that you have got to repent or you will all perish. Let me tell you this. The greatest revenge and the greatest justice is not in seeing your enemy fall. It's not seeing your enemy imprisoned. It's not seeing your enemy hanged, electrocuted, or whatever. You know what the greatest revenge and justice is? It's successful living. It's going on living accomplished, living an accomplished life. In this life, yes, but more so in the life to come. The greatest justice you're ever going to receive is what God will give us on the white throne judgment and then the reward of the new heaven and the new Jerusalem after that. So during all of this church, outcry to God. Call on the Lord. Let your prayers go before him on his throne. Contact the courts of the Lord. And remember that one day you will judge. One day you will have your say. One day before God himself, you will be able to tell the truth concerning your offenders. And God will give you justice. This episode of Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason is dedicated to all those who are hurting to all those who are confused, to all of those who have a broken heart. May the Lord visit you in your mind and your heart. May he visit you in your dreams. May the Lord give you peace. May the Lord give you a glimpse of his kingdom that is going to come with the clouds and give us the justice that we want. I love you, and I am praying for you. This episode has meant something to you. Please share it with somebody. Also, send me a message. Contact me. Let me know what you're thinking and feeling. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Podcasting is the future. And with the help of your loyal listenership, I will have a future in it. Peace and blessings be with you. We'll talk to you next week. God bless America. 